Good morning. So as Hayden read there in Galatians 1, 6 through 10, you know, talking about a different gospel, look there specifically at the end of verse 6 and verse 7, to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and one pervert the gospel of Christ. This morning, I want to look at organic religion. There's a organic eating, living. There's a lot of that going around right now. And so I want to kind of look at why we want to have organic religion. And to do that, I want to look at the idea of comparison of organic and non-organic food. We've all probably heard some terms, bioengineered, GMO, genetically modified organism, something um, genetically engineered. And so what is that? Well, according to USDA, um, Bioengineered food is food that it contains genetic material that has been modified through certain laboratory techniques for which the modification could not be obtained through conventional breeding or found in nature. And we put that in our bodies. And the process of creating a GMO, genetically modified organism, so literally we are changing what God made, follows some basic steps. Researchers identified genes in a plant that cause specific traits such as resistance to insects. Then they make copies of these insect resistant genes in a lab. Next, they insert them, the gene copies in the DNA of another plant cell. And then we have modified cells are then used to grow new insect resistant plants that will go through various reviews and tests before they are sold to farmers. Now, why do we need genetically modified food? Why do we need GMOs, bioengineered food? Well, they may, again, all of these, this is from USDA, and this is conditional. They may have fewer pesticides in the food you eat. They are usually cheaper. They may have more nutrients. So they do all this, so they might have better things. But the last bullet's my bullet, GMO profits. From 1996 to 2020, farmers using GMO technology income increased by $261 billion. That's why we have genetically modified food, money. Because if you can keep it from dying, if you can make it last longer, pesticide free, they make more money. And because of the side effects that have, you know, it's been tested, but we know that short-term tests do not equal long-term tests. Because of the side effects of those GMOs, some people seek an altered food sources for physical health. And so I'm throw out some terms here that you guys have all probably heard. Grass-fed, pesticide-free, free-range, cage-free, free, fair trade, local, hormone-free, preservative-free, sustainable, regenerative farming, BPA-free, sugar-free, non-GMO, no high fructose corn syrup, no hydrogenated oils, no red 40. And these are just some of the terms throw out there. So these are all the things that are added to our food source. And society seeks other organic things as well, like, you know, organic clothing, natural cleansers. And I'm bringing all this out because it's truly amazing how people can see that consuming Wearing or using highly altered, modified, or chemically treated items is not good for our physical health. It's not good for our physical health. We're putting something in our bodies that God didn't create. And we can see that, and we can understand it. Research is done. Money is spent. You know, we try different things uh, to what is the benefit of physical human health. Yet, 
we look at the religious world and we swallow and believe the religious teachings hook, line, and sinker to the damnation of our souls without spending the time researching and trying to find an organic, unaltered, and unmodified religion. And that is where our society is today. So we're going to look at seeking an, an adulterated, modified truth now. And we're, again, we're talking about organic religion. So why do people, we talked about why do people seek unmodified, organic food, but why do people seek an altered, modified religion? We're willing to do it for our physical bodies, but what about our spiritual bodies? Why are we seeking something that's altered and modified, that is based upon men, that is changed by men, that has strange and odd beginnings that people can't even understand, and non-biblical concepts? But that is what the religious world is doing. So why are there genetically modified religions? Well, we talked about a little bit in Bible class, preeminence, influence, power, right? What do we know about preeminence? When we look at 1 Corinthians 4, 6, Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes. You may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one another, one against the other. We teach something that doesn't give us the glory, but it gives God the glory. Not that we receive it. Not that we can be puffed up because of it. Because this is God's word, not our word. In 3 John 1, 9, John writes here, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. He wanted to be powerful. He wanted to receive and have the preeminence over that. That's why we have genetically modified and bioengineered religions. Men think they know better. Well, I know what the Bible says, but that's not how our life lives. That's not how religion lives. That's not, ask, let's ask Ananias, Ananias, not Ananias, well, Ananias and Sapphira, or Nathan, when we get to heaven, if you get to heaven, how they felt when they said, yes, but. All right? How about money? Why are there modified religions? Money. The Catholic Church alone had a net worth close to $5 billion in 2019. $5 billion. The Latter-day Saints are taking the church's money that they give. Okay, understand this. We give money and it's used for various things. The Latter-day Saints has over $100 billion in investments. Investments. That's where their money is going. Now, I'll tell you what, if the, if the money here, when if the brethren here ever start investing things with the Lord's money, I won't be here because that's not what our money is used for. That's not what giving is for. Giving is for the furtherance of the church and the gospel and the truth. And so why are there modified engines? Because Satan wants them to exist. People And also people want something that fits their life, not a religion that requires them to change. It's not... Okay. God knew and Paul informed us that men would seek another religion. If we look at 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, Paul here says, I charge you therefore before God and Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, 
They will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. God knew people would seek altered, modified, false religions. He taught us against it. He encouraged us to be aware of it. And yet so many people in this world are falling for it and going down the road to hell. Unlike creating GMO foods, creating false religion isn't complex. Not at all. Okay. A man. Okay. Let's go kind of a comparison to what the, four, the other steps were. Man, men identify parts of God's word they are resistant to. Okay. Then they make up their own creeds and doctrines to deal with that resistance. These new creeds and doctrines are then inserted into the word and the word um, into the world and the word as a new religion or new insight. Okay, we don't need new insights. We have everything in the word of God. We don't need man telling us what God meant. Then these modified religions then used to grow truth-resistant hearts that accept the false religion and blindly send themselves to eternity in hell. It's a lot simpler than GMO foods, yet people are willing to just sit there and listen and follow that path. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 11, um, 12 through 15, But what I do, I also continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded, just as we are in the things of which they boast. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Brother Bill brought up a great point, you know, when we think about the Bereans. They were no, more noble than those from Thessalonica that they searched the word. They made sure that what the teaching coming out to them was truth, not angels or Satan himself transforming to an angel of light. So we should seek an an alter, unaltered truth for our spiritual health, an organic, wholesome, sustain, sustainable religion, okay? And so what does that look like? What does an organic religion look like? Well, we're going to look at several points here. It's without hypocrisy. Saying we love God, but doing what we want to do with church. Saying what we love God, but doing whatever we want doing whatever makes us feel good. People say, I don't want to go to church because they're hypocrites. And I've heard that true. There can be real hypocrites. They're just pretending. But there's also those who make mistakes and work to try to make it better. And that's what we are. We're human beings. We make mistakes. We falter. We fall. But we try to make our lives better. And we try to come serve God. But what about when the entire religious belief is full of hypocrisy? Okay. We love and obey God. It's what we say, yet Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And that's what some people are not doing. They say they love God, but they're not keeping their commandments. They're doing whatever they want every Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, whenever they want to have their worship service. But that's not when worship is supposed to be. In Matthew 7, 21 through 23, Jesus tells them that not everyone who calls on the Lord truly obeys the Lord. Think about that. Not everyone who said they say they call on God truly obeys. 
He says there in Matthew 7, 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. A lot of people are going to do a lot of good things in the name of God, but are going to not be in heaven. So we have a church and a religion that's without hypocrisy, and it's without guile and deceit. Okay, Paul did not teach to deceive us. He taught truth. He taught God's message, not man's. He did not teach his message. He spoke against sin and not the softening of sin. We look in the world today, and that's what we have. Well, we don't want to call it that because that might hurt people's feelings. Well, brethren, sin is sin. No matter what you call it, no matter how you try to change it, sin is sin, and sin is going to send you to hell. That's the truth of it. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 3, Paul here says, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you is not in vain, but even after we suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our gospel to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanliness, nor was it in deceit. They were not teaching to deceive. They were teaching the truth. With that, we have to put things behind us and move forward. Paul says again here, or Peter, in 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow, if indeed you have tasted the Lord, that the Lord is gracious. He's laying aside. He's putting it behind him. He's moving forward. He's no more. There's no more malice. There's no more deceit. There's no more hypocrisy. Now we're moving forward in truth, in the gospel. We talked a little bit about selfishness of what you know, the religions are today. But an organic religion is without selfishness. Religion isn't about what makes us feel good. You won't find that in the Bible. Honestly, if you read the Bible with the truth, and sincere and open heart, sometimes you're not going to like what you read. You're not going to like the truth. You're not going to like the pricking of the heart. But that's okay. Because that gives us an opportunity to change ourselves and to, better, to do better. Paul, through inspiration, condemned selfishness. Galatians 5, 19-20 says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, evil, in, sorry, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Selfishness is in the same list with Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, murder, selfishness. Selfish religions are not organic. They are not true. They are not the true religion of Christ and God. And selfish religion will not inherit the kingdom of God. Without selfishness as well, we are to serve others, right? The second greatest commandment. Matthew 22, 39, Christ says, And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 5, 13-14, Paul again says, I almost got to Galatians 4, Russ, not quite. 
Um, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty, and do not use liberty as opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all uh, law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So he's quoting Christ from Matthew 22. True religion, organic religion, serves others. It's not about serving ourselves. We esteem others above ourselves, as you can read in Philippians 2, verses 3 through 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition, again, a rebuke of selfishness or conceit, but in loneliness of mind and esteem each other, others better than himself. Religion is not about ourselves. Organic religion is, needs to also be united. Look at the number of religions in this world around us today. It is not united. Not at all. No unity. A united church has one leader, okay? And Jesus is that one leader. He is the head of the church, Ephesians 1, And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Jesus is our head. We don't have an earthly head. We don't have an earthly headquarters. There's no authority for that. We have one king, one Lord, and he is sitting in heaven, and that is who we follow because we have his word here. We don't need somebody sitting in a headquarters somewhere telling us what we are to do and how to do it. Ephesians 4.15 continues, and Ephesians 5, Ephesians 3 talks a lot about the church. Um, but speaking in the truth and love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ. Christ is our head. He's our leader. Ephesians 5.23, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of our body. We have one united leader, and he is at the right hand of God right now, leading us. He doesn't lead us from an office somewhere you know, in Rome or in you know, southern, uh, you know, southern U.S. I don't really know well where all the headquarters are from Salt Lake City, where the Mormons are. He is at the right hand of God, and he has given us his word. And Jesus was received and sat down at the right hand of God, as we can see in Mark 16, 19. One teaching and one doctrine. We're still underneath the heading of united. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. We have one. There's not multiple bodies. There's not multiple religions. If Jesus is the head of the body and there's only one body, there's only one religion. There's only one organic true religion. One family name. One family name. Romans 16, 16 says, greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. We have one name. I just did a Google search to try to find like names of churches around here. This is kind of just some of them. Guts, Life, 180, Church on the Move. I kind of ask myself, where are they moving to? Like, where are they moving to? You're on the Church on the Move. Where are you moving to? I'm not moving to anywhere. I'm working my way to get to heaven and doing right and following God's will, but I'm not moving my church. Jubilee, Transformation, Victory, City Church. House Church, Sanctuary, Simple, First Foursquare, Legacy. I, that's just some of them. There are so many different names for so many different groups that say that they are going to the same place. 
We have one name. That name is Christian. Acts eleven twenty six. And when he had found them, he brought him to Antioch, so that it was for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. We are Christians first and foremost. We're not Baptist Christians. We're not Episcopalian Christians. We're not non-denominational Christians. We're Christians, plain and simple. That is what we are. And we have one inspired guide. We have no creeds. There's not an Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the 39 Articles of Faith, all these things that, are, that dictate other denominations and other religions that have been altered and changed. We have no outside doctrines. We don't have another book like the Book of Mormon that leads us. We have one book. It's the Bible. Yes, it has 66 individual books in there to give us different messages written by different men, but it's all united and it's all complete and it's all we need. We don't need catechisms, five points of Calvinism, Westminster Confession of Faith, um, you know, some visions of the founder. We have everything we need because we have one inspired guide, and that's the Word of God. And the amazing thing about it is an organic religion is simple. It is very simple. Everything you need can be found right here. We don't need more. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 1 through 15. And actually, we're just going to read 1 through 5. Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me, for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest someone as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Simplicity. The church... The message, the truth, simple. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit from which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. And that's what we have today. People that put up with something that is not the truth. For I consider that I am not at all inferior to the most eminent apostles, even though I am untrained in speech, yet I am not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. An organic, a true, simple religion is a true, simple religion. God did not make religion complicated. Man did. Man's who has complicated religion in the religious world. I'm going to go through some facts of what man has introduced here. Man introduced instruments around 900 A.D., that's when instrumental instruments came into worship, 900 years A.D. I learned something yesterday when I was putting this point in here. It's no longer A.D. It's now C.E. It's the common era. We have removed Christ and religion out of dates so much. Like, well, that's how far this world has gone. We can't have B.C. and A.D. anymore. We have to have C.E. and B.C.E. Just so you, if you see that reference, because I had no idea. I had to Google what is CE, because it's the common error. That's where we live today. By the way, I'm going to continue using AD. Man introduced purgatory in AD 1170. Man introduced sprinkling for baptism around 11, 1311 AD. Pouring for baptism was introduced for a clinical necessity because a pope was sick on his bed and he couldn't physically get up and be baptized. So they decided the pouring was okay that day. And that was around 253 AD. 
And then it became authorized around 1311 AD, the same time they authorized sprinkling. Man introduced always, once saved, always saved in the early to mid 1500s when John Calvin was teaching. Man has created so many Bible versions, it's hard to even keep track of them all. You have no idea. Like you pick up a version, you have no idea who wrote it, when it was written, and why it was written. Man introduced entertainments and bands in the 1960s. Okay. Man created popes in AD 400 was the first pope after Peter. You know, if popes were authorized by Peter, why was there not one for another 400 years? That's an interesting question. Why was, it not, why was there not another one? Man introduced female preachers back in 1815 in Europe and then 1853 in the U.S., Man created headquarters for a God that does not dwell in temples. Isaiah 66, 1 and 2 says, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me, and where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look, upon whom who is poor and of a contrite heart, and who trembles at my word. Who will build me a house? We don't need an earthly house for God, because God dwells in heaven. Denominations, divisions, that's what that word means, divisions, were and continue to be created by men. Church of God, 19, 1726 by John Weinbrenner. Episcopalian, 1531 by Henry VIII, to justify his divorce. That's why that church was started. To justify his divorce from his wife, he started a new religion. The JWs in 1872 in Pittsburgh by Charles Taze Russell. Lutheran, 1517 by Martin Luther. Mormon, 1820s by Joseph Smith. Methodist, 1739 by John Wesley. And we can go on and on, folks. We can go on and on and talk about all the religions and when they were started and who they were started by. And not... and. 99% of them are not going to be started in the second century on the day of Pentecost because that's when the church started. And when we follow that pattern, that truth, and that gospel, we find an authentic church. Jeremiah 10, 23 says, O Lord, I know the way of man is not himself. It is not a man who walks direct his own paths. Yet we try over and over again. We see just that short list over and over again. Man has tried to create his own religion, and it's not authentic. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. This is just a fraction of the different things we could discuss of what man has introduced to the religious world, the religions, and then the introduction in those religions. I, but However, I think it gets the point across about man's additions. Church is simple. Worship is simple. Worship is so simple. When we look at it, we sing Ephesians 5.19. We speak to another, one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts. It's simple. There's nothing we need to add to it. There's nothing we need to take away from it. We pray during our worship, Acts 2.42, and they continue steadfastly in apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. They prayed. They partake of the Lord's Supper just like we did this morning and Russ read about. Now on the first day of the week, that's not quarterly, 
That's not monthly. It's not whenever we feel like it. When the disciples came together to eat bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. When they gathered together on the first day of the week. We give to the Lord on the first day of the week. Now, religious organizations do not mind you giving on the first day of the week. Because it says it right there. But when it comes to the Lord's Supper, that's different. Again, they change it. They alter it. They modify it. Because it fits their needs. Religion doesn't need to fit our needs. We need to fit our lives into God's demands and God's commandments. And then we have teaching. Again, Acts 2.42. They continue steadfastly in apostles' doctrine and teaching. Now, if the worship is simple, the church is simple, religion is simple, salvation is simple as well. It's so simple. We hear Romans 10.17. We believe Hebrews 11.6. We repent Acts 17.30. We confess Matthew 10.32-23. And then we are baptized. Acts 2.38. People complicate that. I grew up in the Baptist church and you voted members in. I want nothing to do with voting somebody in. What if I get it wrong? I don't want that on my head. I'm not voting somebody on whether they can do things, they can get to heaven or not. Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's up to you and each and every one of us on whether or not we go to heaven. Not somebody else, it's not somebody else's control. I like the song Brother Doyle led this morning, Let Him Have His Way With Thee. You know, it's, it's a simple message. It says, His power, the Word of God, can make you what you ought to be. His blood can cleanse you, cleanse your heart and make you free. That blood comes from baptism. Baptism for the right reasons. His love can fill your soul and you will see t'was best for him to have his way with thee. I don't want some other's man, some other man's pattern and some other man's teaching to, to influence me in what I do. I want to have the word of God, the true, authentic, unaltered, organic word of God to have his way with thee. As we talked about earlier, people will spend above and beyond. Like they'll go and they'll go shopping. They'll spend above and beyond to get something organic, something original, something first edition. You know, and that goes to anything. You know, people who love cars and antiques will pay so much to get something that is, you know, unaltered. It's in its original condition. And we have all that right here in the church. We have a religion that is first edition. Yeah, we have a microphone, we have lights, we have a building, not meeting in people's houses or under porches. So we have some conveniences, but it, that doesn't change the fact that this, what we teach, better be and should be the unaltered, untrue, or not true, sorry, please take that one back, the truth of God's word. So let us continue to be organic, original, first edition and not in ways that requires us to change God's words, but in keeping it original, keeping the church God's way and not man's way. Some people might not like that, but the facts are the facts. That if we change it, we alter it, we do what we want to do. Matthew seven twenty one, 
through 23, Christ says, depart from me, you that are in lawlessness. We will not spend eternity in heaven. So, as with every worship hour, we have the opportunity to come forth and uh, seek prayers of the church. And if you have strayed from the original first edition church, we're here to help you get on the right path. But maybe you've never been a part of that church. You are part of something else. We've just talked about how to, how to, what salvation is and how simple, simple salvation is. There's not water here, but there can be water in here quickly. It might be cold, but it can be there for you to come forward and be baptized for the remission of your sins and join the original first edition church that was made by God that Christ gave his life for so that we can have eternal life with him. So if you need anything, please come forward as we stand and sing.